Yo, yo. What's up? Welcome to Elder's Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, the dude, on our never-ending goal of uh, bringing great album recommendations to the wider music listening community. How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm pretty good. I'm a little uh, in need of coffee, but otherwise, very good. We're trying some early morning recording. Oh, yeah. You got us fresh as a daisy here, man. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to get my brain going. How about you? Let's get that brain going. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. What's been going on? What's, uh, well, you know, surviving, uh, hunkering down, trying to make decisions about the holidays, all that stuff that everyone else is going Mm. through, but also keeping in time and step with what's going on out in the world and tech and like things that make me feel normal. Let's get into the album nerd talk. What are we doing today? Well, you could say we have a virtual cornucopia of musical delights here for your holiday listening pleasure. What do we got? We got some... Oh, we got a we got a cool record coming up first here. An old uh, metal band re-released a record from their early in their career after thirty some years. Talking about that first, got a punk rock record, a throwback like doo-wop record from the eighties, and uh, yeah, and then some good nineties alternative rock. Just it's pretty good splattering of our taste there, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, we're keeping it uh, on the rock side today, but um, they're, they all have different flavors for sure. So yeah. why don't we uh, get going? Okay, so I'll start. I'm going to a band that I've never really been a huge fan of, but this is a re-recording of their 1986 demo tape uh, called The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. And this is the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo, as it is entitled now, recorded in 2020. It's Mr. Bungle, and we're going to start with the track, Eracist. Alright, so that was Eracist by Mr. Bungle from the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. And Whoa. it is some thrashy goodness. Andy, Holy I'm cow. not even going to, we'll talk background and whatever, but this came out October 30th. It has yeah. captured me. How do you feel about it? I was very surprised when this came out. I was not expecting it, and it took me a while to understand what the hell it was. I was expecting, you know, I saw, oh, new Mr. Bungle. I was thinking of California, which was like their last record back in the 99. late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not even close to that. So, But once you, maybe, if, yeah, once you kind of explained the history and how it came about, I think it makes a little more sense, but I know, but bottom line is it kicked before we even get going, it kicks ass. I mean, it does. It's, it's a, it's a straight thrash record. Like you're saying, Holy cow. All right. So now we, (laughs) we've established that. So Mr. Bungle was a band founded in Eureka, California in 1985, 
Mike Patton, yeah. we've talked about before several times. We've talked about his other big band, Faith No More. And Mr. Bungle is known for being kind of an experimental rock, jazz, everything under the sun fusion Weird. and very quirky and uh, going off in a million different directions. So Mr. Bungle in 1986 made a demo tape called The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, was on a, it was recorded on a four-track tape recorder at a studio, and cool. it had uh, eight songs. And in 2020, maybe late 2019, uh, Mike Patton and Trace Spruance and Trevor Dunn, then they're from Mr. Bungle. They got together with Anthrax's Scott Ian and ex-Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo because it was a thrashy demo to re-record it and then take some other songs from that same era that they wrote as teenagers and make it again. So it is confusing because it was hard to figure out what was going on as I, as news of this was coming out. And I didn't really think I'd like it because I'm not a huge bungle guy. But yeah. this is awesome, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, you can hear Scott Ian in it. Like his, the anthraxy guitar. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, h- how many grown men can revisit their youthful, like, I know. goofy thing, re-record it, and have it be... Have it sound good? It's pretty amazing, yeah. I'm blown away by it. Why don't you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, if you just describe that concept, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the most cringy record of 2020, because it sounds like it's going to be terrible. I'm trying to recapture your youth, but it really works out pretty well. I think, you know, for me, I really like the Bungle sense of humor that comes mm-hmm. up a lot more in the, some of their other records. There's not as much of that here. You know, the taste of it occasionally, but uh, it's just it's just very focused on kicking ass and not taking any names, not slowing down at all. It is just like 50-some minutes of straight-up thrash music, which is pretty pretty awesome, man. I there's quite a few, I don't think it's really, is it really a, a low point on the record? It pretty much just stays at, at 11 all the way through, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is um, this is 11 tracks as opposed to eight, and it's uh, 56 minutes in length, which some of the songs to me could have been a little shorter. Hypocrites, Habla Espanol, yeah, Omuer, you know, that could have, that had a little La Cucaracha at the beginning, and then it's a Stormtroopers of Death cover. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, when I first heard that La Cucaracha come in there, I was like, oh my God, what are they doing? <laughs> well, are and, they? I, and that's bungly, right? And, and it, the is, intro, it is, The Grizzly Adams intro and the yeah. Anarchy Up Your Anus, uh, the start of fun. that. Yeah, it's a little spoken two. word thing. Yeah, it's fun. So, speaking of that song, I've got a little piece from the original demo and a little piece from this re-recording. Do you want to okay. check those out side by side? Yeah, I've never heard the original, so this will be interesting. You can find it on YouTube. All right, uh, we're going to go with the original recording. (laughs) Okay. So that's, that's that's young Mike Patton. At age, That's who Mike knows Patton? what? That doesn't even yeah. sound like anything like him. Holy cow. And now here <laughs> it is from the re-recording. 
<laughs> oh man, it's fucking, it's freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> let's talk Both about are great. But let's talk about Mike Patton for a second, man. He like this is a pretty intense performance from him. I'll, like he does, he got like that, that little scream of his there. That's pretty bone chilling, man. I've never really heard him do anything quite like that. It's, I mean, for me, it's my favorite performance of his ever. It's the purest rockiest and i know that he's known for his range and all the different things he can do and that's all cool yeah this is testicularly driven you know, <laughs> like <laughs> vocals right here you can feel it in your crotch Testicularly driven yeah no there's a lot of a lot of crotch stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just i i've been so surprised and delighted with this and i know delight is a weird word to use talking about a thrash metal record but yeah this is the second year now that we've had bands that aren't known as thrash bands making really great thrash records like king gizzard and the lizard wizard last year oh uh, right yeah you know right. and uh i think that's an interesting hopefully trend i would love to see that <laughs> so let me let me ask you this question would you you'd like this record if it wasn't mr bungle right you just you're more about the the genre and the sound. And yes. The yes. Tes testicular qualities of this. <laughs> exactly. However, yeah. knowing that now being more familiar with their roots and with the things mm -hmm. they were doing early on, this has changed, might change my, uh, my ear a little bit to their other albums in terms of putting, a, you know, having um, a little more frame of reference, not just, on the fact yeah. that it doesn't sound like Faith No More, which is where I came from when I first listened to Mr. Bungle. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I got good news for you, buddy, because uh, don't tell anybody, but the next episode, you might be revisiting Mr. Bungle's early career in one Excellent. of our old dog picks. Excellent. Well, that that's perfect. That's perfect. We could yeah. have put them both on the same show, but that would have been confusing. So <laughs> I think it would have been. But no, it'll be interesting to hear kind of, because they didn't really, they hint at this sound, I guess, later on in their career, but they never get as much of uh, heaping helping as you get on this record. Holy cow. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll button it up because we could go on and on, but this is direct, aggressive, progressive, intense, and there's an inner goof there as well. So uh, if you yeah. like Mr. Bungle, if you like Thrash metal if you just like something aggressive to get you through an, uh, another angry day here in 2020 go check out <laughs> mr bungle the raging wrath of the easter bunny demo yeah i don't think you'd be disappointed all right so for my um new release recommendation here talking about a debut record from a uk all-female four-piece by the name of dream nows they put out a self-titled debut in August of this year called Dream Notes. We are going to play the last cut of the record called Kiss My Fist. Alright, that was a little taste of Kiss My Fist, the last track on the debut record from Dream Nows. 
Um, so they are a female four-piece formed in London. Uh, been around for a few years. Been doing kind of building up some cred on their live shows. Uh, they call themselves Punk Witches. And these uh, that was not actually a song. That was a, a hex that we heard there. They have 15 hexes on this latest release. Not, I didn't get really get much of like a witchcraft vibe from this record, but I think that's just more of like a, yeah. like a Wicca thing, maybe. Not so much uh, yeah, like, I think uh, it's, per, it's perception, right? So when I think of witchcraft and music, I think of Angel Witch and like New Wave of British of heavy metal incantations and, you know, oh, yeah. monk, monk chants and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they have a really fun, just kind of infectious energy that drew me to this record. I listened to this a lot outdoors. I was doing work and stuff outside. It was really great spirit and great kind of like can-do positive punk energy that that I love. There's one track on here just called DIY, all about like, hey, fuck everybody else and just do it yourself. And that's kind of the spirit I embody on this uh, or embody on this podcast here and most things I do. So I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, what did I mean? What do you think about it? This isn't you know exactly people that I'm sure we you know have a lot in common with personally, but. Could you get down with like the just the exuberance and the that punk energy at all? Yeah, I mean, it felt like a modern, little more woke version of like the Go Go's, right from the yeah. from the eighties. Yeah. You know, like poppy, yeah. whether intentional or not, it is poppy, um, mm-hmm. pop punky, female, uh, not girl power per se, but um, certainly self confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I thought it was, um, I like that stuff like this exists. This is the kind of thing I hope that young ladies are listening to instead of some glammed up model with weird meat suits and spiky whatever, you know. <laughs> Ripping a gaga, man? Come on. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glomming it all together where it's become more <laughs> spectacle than uh, yeah. musical coming from a human place. This right. is coming from a human place and you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think a lot of these songs are written from their perspective. They talk a lot about um, just kind of like how queer women are treated in the UK. There's that last song we heard there is kind of about like, you know, do you want to just see uh, queer women on your screen or do you want to actually deal with us in real life? You know, kind of just like a big fuck you to all those people out there who just want to exploit these kind of underrepresented population sets, especially in the UK. So it's cool. It has definitely has a message, definitely has like some thought behind these songs, but it's also really high energy and fun. It's a quick, quick record. It's 24 minutes long. That I appreciated fit. also. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, what? It's over? So it was nice to listen to something that you're bringing <laughs> to the forefront and be like, oh, it's over already? I better listen to it again instead of, whew, thank God. Thank God it's over. <laughs> Right. No, this is the kind of record you can put on twice in a row and really not feel like it's overwhelming you. I did that quite a few times. Yeah, you know, I don't know what will come of these of these ladies here, but I hope they have a great career and I think they have a really good energy. Yeah, I've really really enjoyed this record a lot. It's probably going to be in my my top list spoiler alert for the year. Nice, nice. Yeah, so that's uh, that's Dream Nails debut record. Dream Nails. Check it out for some good uh, some good witch punk. All right, Andy, thank you very much. Another 
wonderful find for you from usually from other countries. So nice work. All right. So now let's go a little bit back in time. Let's talk to some of our old friends, what we like to call our old dog picks, a couple older records that we still love. Old dogs. I get to start off this time with an album from 1983 by a dude that I really, really dug back in those days, Billy Joel. This album is An Innocent Man. The track is Keeping the Faith. All right, so that was Billy Joel from 1983's An Innocent Man. That song was Keeping the Faith. And I'll tell you, when I was in middle school age, I thought this was the cat's pajamas. Yeah. Now, I'm sure, Andy, that this is a little schmaltzy for you. (laughs) Schmaltzy is being a little kind. uh, (laughs) So were you in middle school when this came out? Is that Was this kind of like a new release for you? Gotcha. Yeah. And this yeah. was probably pretty big uh, at the time, I right? Imagine, oh, it was right? huge. Radio, it was so. huge. So uh, yeah. it's Billy Joel. Everyone knows Billy Joel, probably. Um, William Martin Joel, known as Billy Joel, born May 9th, 1949. Singer, songwriter, composer, often called the Piano Man. And uh, he was around from the 1970s on through today. 12 studio albums from 71 to 93. And uh, he was born in Bronx, New York. And he had that New York sort of sound to him throughout the 70s. Yeah. This album was a little bit different. It was his ninth studio album and um, it was released in 83 and was kind of an homage to the music he grew up on. So Andy, this has got a 50s, 60s soul kind of vibe to it. What'd you think of that? I like that. I like those that genre, kind of like the, you know, the R&B soul of the 50s, 60s, right? I mean... I think of like Four Seasons as being like the prototypical band from that period or group yeah. from that period. And that's what he's going after, right? It's kind of like a intentional homage. Of that subgenre, that non that non uh British invasion stuff. Yeah, like Motown, right? We're in that area. Kind of. Yeah, a mix of that. You know, it's really so the story of this, which I didn't know at the time, was Billy Joel recently, so throughout the 70s, he was kind of, uh, like, kind of, you know, pictures, the songs were portraits of what was going on in society, right? This isn't his best, this is not his best album. The Stranger, Glass Houses, Turnstiles are better albums, songwriting-wise, storytelling-wise, real-world-wise. But this was an escape, right? So Billy Joel had recently gotten divorced from a woman he'd been married to all through those years. Was mm. dating supermodels in his thirties. Right. Christy Brinkley, right, was the big. St- yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. It was he, like he married her, but Elle McPherson, I guess, was the actual Uptown Girl. Um, oh, okay. So you know, people know this album. They know Uptown Girl. They know Keeping the Faith. They know yeah. um, title track. Yeah, uh, they know the title track. Probably an innocent man. Tell her about it. The longest time, very duopy. But mm. I grew up listening to this. And it was the Billy Joel's ability to 
it wasn't, I wasn't having to interpret the songs. He was telling me stuff about how to talk to girls, about looking back at life and, and having fun and, and that keeping the faith, all that drawing out, all the stuff he did as a kid. And now he's holding on to that to drive him forward was really spoke to me as a, as a young person. And yeah. I still love the album for those reasons. If it were fresh to me, I might not love it. <laughs> well, I think a lot of, like you were saying, like he was going through sort of a personal renaissance there in his life. He just kind of broken away from something. He was experiencing all these new fun things. He wanted to do something that kind of spoke to who he was as a younger kid. I imagine he was listening to these old 50s and 60s soul records. Kind of makes sense in that perspective. He sounds like he's having fun. Sounds like he's yes. having a good time. There's a good energy to the record, but there, like you said, there's like that pretty thick layer of schmaltz, if you want to use that word. Yeah, but I mean, it's throughout. also the era, right? It was the MTV era, and if it was on MTV, it was cool. And what's funny, though, like listening to this in 83, right? And I was still listening to this in 86. If I had heard the Easter Bunny demo by <laughs> Mr. Bungle in 1986... <laughs> I would have lost my damn mind. I would right. have been, I probably would have hidden under my bed, right? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't ready yeah, totally. for that yet. So I was right. being coddled by Billy Joel instead. <laughs> <laughs> he was like my, he was like my uncle, you know, telling me stories about what it's like right. to, to grow up and how to talk to chicks, right? And that, that was what this felt like for me. So I'm going to play a little track from Leave a Tender Moment Alone. Also from the album, let's go. So that song, Leave a Tender Moment Alone, was one of those I'd listen to and think about, like, you know, going to the school dance and what do I say? <laughs> Screwing up the courage to, to ask yeah. someone to dance, you know? So it I has that like for a, me. I think, a young dude, like, taking notes, like, yeah. <laughs> before you go out on a date, like, all right, leave it's tender so moment clear. alone. Yes, okay. Like, lyrically, it is so clear. It's, I didn't have to interpret anything. The words were the words. The words meant yeah. what? they were saying and that's something billy joel has done well throughout his career so Agreed. from that perspective like the older stuff the 70s stuff that's the really good stuff but this album itself and what i wanted to talk about it for rather than the stranger which would be a better representative of billy joel as a musician what albums can do for people how they can mm. speak to you they can comfort you they can help you figure things out right and that's what this record was for me yeah that's a good point man it sounds like it hits you at just the right time and give you the information you were looking for well how do you how do you feel about listening to it today after coming back to it i love it yeah it, you know it's based on a lifetime you know decades of loving this album now it's not like i listened to it all the way through but as i've gotten older and now better understand billy joel's journey growing up mm -hmm looking back at youth, all that kind of stuff, then I still connect with it, but just on a different way. Word. I got you. Yeah. But you know, I'm good. I'm probably going to spend more time listening to that Mr. Bungle album <laughs> in the coming weeks <laughs> than this. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly enough from the same relative time period. 
I know. That's kind of that's part of the reason I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I'm glad this record uh, did you some positive things. What you got? I got some '90s alternative, buddy. Right up both of our alleys here. I guess this is a little bit nostalgia for me, but not quite as a guilty much of a guilty pleasure. I'm talking about local H and their kind of like follow up to their big breakthrough success. Talking about the album Pack Up the Cats came out in September of 1998. We are gonna play a cut from the eh, first third of the record. This is What Can I Tell You? <laughs> that, that was a cut off of uh, Pack Up the Cats by Local H. This was their third LP for the duo from Zion, Illinois. Uh, the big follow-up to As Good As Dead. You might recall that record from a few years prior. Uh, had that big hit, Bound for the Floor, on it. That dun, 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 you just Remember don't get it. Yeah, just when, when I saw Local it, yeah. H, that's all I, th- I was like, oh, it's got to it's be that one with Born to Be Down on it. Uh, but right. it wasn't, so I was surprised. Nope, I, I didn't know that they. Had, I didn't know they had any other albums, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's kind of a reason for that, unfortunately. So, what uh, this song is kind of like? They're kind of like uh, as good as Dad was. Kind of a very much from their perspective of of uh, the lead singer. There, this record is as well. It's kind of chronicling. Their attempt to kind of break through into the mainstream, you could say selling out if you want to. Um, they were trying to make it big, get on the radio and have some hits and make this into a career. Um, so this record largely deals with all the issues that come up with doing that, you know, just trying to adapt to life on the road and all the things he sacrificed to, uh, to become a uh, musician. So, I mean, it has their same kind of like trademark, like big punchy sound, all the big hooks and the big fuzzy guitars like we just heard. I would say this record is a little bit tighter than their previous record, which you kind of expect as they are maturing and growing. The reason this record may not be as popular as it should have been, in my opinion, was because their label at the time was bought out by a larger company. And at the time, all the promo for this record was killed almost immediately after the release as part of this merger. So the record didn't get much much press or much airtime. Unfortunately, I think it's one of their better record. I think it's, I think it's the superior record of the two. Personally, I think it's a little bit more mature and interesting to listen. What did you hear, man? I know you weren't familiar I with this one at all, right? No. Well, I saw the cover. I, uh, I've seen this cover before, and I thought it was the one with the uh, "just don't get it, keep it copacetic" thing. Right. Um, and I was wrong, and I was really enjoying this. Uh, they were really good. And it looks like they still have recorded fairly recently. A little more, you know, there's certainly Nirvana-esque undertones throughout a lot of of it. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the, the loud quiet mm-hmm. that, that Kurt Cobain did so well. I really enjoyed it, man. I mean, I had super low expectations and because, you know, they were just some, one of those 
you know, like closing time and yeah. she's lump and all that mid to late nineties <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you know, those those yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I know that's kinda like throwaway rock bands. alternative songs that at the time I'm like, Oh, this is Schmaltz and meanwhile I'm secretly loving Billy Joel and telling no one. But <laughs> um <laughs> I got super judgy by the time this came out, right? And in the 80s, right. I was all open. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're so, good. no, you're good. Yeah. But this is really cool, dude. Um, is hard. It's really good hard rock. And um, I will listen to more of this and probably more of their of their albums. I just had no idea. They're way, way better and, and deeper and well-established. I mean, they're they're good. So kudos. Yeah, I think so too, man. I think this record in particular has a really nice, it's not like, it's sort of a concept record and does have a f- nice flow from start to finish. Some of the tracks fade into one or the other. But yeah, man, they make so much noise for being a two-piece. Holy cow. So it's just uh, guitar and drums, vocals, just the two guys. Really? Yeah. So the white stripes before the white stripes? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I was looking up some of the, you know, some of the most famous rock duos in history and these guys don't come up at all, unfortunately. I, I think not that I'm saying they're the best, but I think they deserve to be in the conversation at least uh, in the top uh, but, uh, yeah, 50 or I, so. <laughs> the list is probably longer than it should be because rock duos sometimes are not really duos. They're full bands with two main guys. Two guys who write yeah. or something. Yeah. Right. Later on in their career, they did add some more guys into the group, and Joe, the drummer, ended up leaving, and yada, yada, yada. But at this point, I think they had a really awesome sound, just really high energy, lots of like yelling and huge guitar riffs, like like we just heard there, just come in and kick ass. But they also were able to slow things down and use this kind of this like self-deprecating sense of humor they have, just kind of like very overly honest, almost to the point of being uncomfortably honest. There's that songs in here about like, you know, they've once once on one of my favorites called She Hates My Job about how his girlfriend just doesn't like that he's in a band and touring and with all these groupies all the time and then he's at the end he just kinda like, Yeah, yeah, I don't really like her that much anyway. <laughs> Screw it. So like, I just love that sense of humor. Let's play a cut from right at the end of the record here. This is probably the most popular and maybe the most polished song off the record. It's called uh, All the Kids Are Right. Yeah, I mean, they were really able to, to nail those hooks down and do those nice, clean singing and stuff when they when they needed to to kind of create like that showpiece centerpiece for the record there, which I think this song kind of serves as. Yeah, that song to me sounded like it would have been uh, during a scene in like a late '90s teen movie, like <laughs> yeah, totally. Clueless or Angus or you know one of those. I, I didn't see a lot of them, but it just felt like that kind of Very. song. Very 90s. I mean, yeah, this whole record is, it definitely has a bit of nostalgia for me and that whole vibe from back then. Um, but I still, I still listen to this record occasionally and I really enjoy it whenever I do. It's such good energy and, and something, something really cool about just thinking it's just two guys just wowing away on these instruments as hard as they can and making this 
a huge sound that I think is really impressive. Yeah, there aren't a whole lot of these bands from the, from that era that had the uh, one radio hit that I've listened to that then there's more to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them are what they were, which is one hit. And there's a handful that are more than that. And the, this this uh, band in this album strikes me as more than that. So uh, very cool. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. Sure thing, man. Glad you enjoyed it. Well, the two of them, they, they really were kicking ass at this period. And, and I would definitely recommend uh, Pack Up to Cats as a good place to start if you were uh, not into these guys too much in the 90s. Thank you, Andy. So with that... It's all done. It's all she wrote. So That's all we got. Until next time. I know. I know. Can you believe that? So tell us what you think of these records. Email us. Podcast at albumnerds.com. Yeah. If you want to do the show a solid, uh, please subscribe. You might even do us a bigger solid. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. We are on some of the socials as well. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at albumnerds. And uh, yeah, you know what? I'm putting together a little playlist for this show as well. If you want to listen to some of these songs, maybe jump off into the full records. Search for us on Spotify. This is episode 114. Yowza. Thank you for listening to the Album Nerds Podcast. We'll be back next time with more album recommendations. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Everybody's staying safe and healthy and has a good holiday. We'll be back in uh, two weeks with more album recommendations. Word out. See ya. See ya.